This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, David Shapiro here. So I'm going to be trying a new format, and no, this is not an AI-generated voice. You can tell because of the inflection and so on. Anyways, I am trying to uh, experiment and increase the quality of my production. So let me know in the comments if this new format works for you. Uh, but yeah, so I'm trying to trying to increase uh, and experiment. So we'll see how it goes. In today's video, I wanted to cover the IMF AGI preparation uh, report that I've mentioned a few times in videos. So this uh, was a blog post written by Anton Koronek, who is a fellow at the Brookings Institute, as well as a professor of economics at UVA. He was formerly at Johns Hopkins University and also the uh, resident scholar at the IMF itself. So if you're not familiar, the IMF is the International Monetary Fund, which I know uh, is going to be unpopular with some viewers, um, but this is a financial institution that is responsible for uh, basically supporting and promoting economic growth uh, globally. So they have been uh, part of the bailouts, for instance, for Greece and the and UK. Uh, so they are kind of responsible for ensuring economic stability of developed nations globally. So uh, when it comes to AGI and economic disruption, they are paying attention. Uh, now, in this blog post, uh, Anton introduces a concept that I had been looking for the term uh, or a name for it. And so the, the, the concept the, that he introduces is called the frontier of automation. And so this is the basically the simplest definition that I could come up with for the frontier of automation is the task complexity that machines are capable of. And so task complexity is broken down into uh, mechanical skills, such as navigating the physical world, as well as the cognitive tasks or the cognitive sophistication that is required to carry out a task, such as planning, reasoning, and problem solving. Now, what Anton observes is that just uh, this, is, this, this observation is pretty unequivocal, like it would be difficult to debate this, is that with the advent of AI, the task complexity that machines are capable of has begun increasing. And so the sphere of influence, the, the frontier of automation, has been expanding into entirely new domains over the last few years. And if you simply extrapolate that trend out and say, okay, if this trend continues for any length of time, then eventually the task, the frontier of automation will either catch up to or, or totally subsume the entire sphere of human task complexity. And so what he does is he outlines two potential possibilities here. First is an unbounded distribution. So an unbounded distribution basically says that at least some humans are capable of ever increasing levels of task complexity up to hypothetically infinite, that there, that there is just some asymptote there where uh, you know, humans will always be able to stay at least a little bit ahead of the curve of machine intelligence, which is possible. But when you just look at the 
amount of information that the human brain is is capable of processing just from a purely energetic and 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 like physics and chemistry perspective that is not likely to be true um now of course you can say with math with processing you can use heuristics and shorthand so that you can actually kind of closely approximate infinite complexity uh, and of course, we've seen evidence of this with quantum computing, but as many people will point out in the comments, quantum computing isn't necessarily a apples to oranges comparison. Um, it's more like apples to zebras comparison because it does a different kind of computing. And then you can also say there's not really that much evidence that the human brain uses quantum computing or, or can be likened to quantum computers, although it does use some quantum effects, um, but that's not the same. So anyways, that was a little bit of a rabbit hole. The long story short is that is that human task complexity is likely a bounded distribution, meaning that there is a maximum task complexity that uh, that once you go beyond that, uh, no human is capable of that level of tasks. And even if that even even if there is an unbounded distribution, then the, ma the then the highest level of task complexity that humans are capable of only you know point zero zero one percent of the population can do that. Anyways, you know, so you're waiting for like a Nikola Tesla or an Albert Einstein, which are very few and far between. So then that's not really we're still not competitive with machines. If you know, let's say. One way to think about the unbounded distribution is okay. Every time you get a Stephen Hawking or a Nikola Tesla or an Albert Einstein, they will be smarter than the AGI. But that's only like three people in the last century, right? Uh, so that that means that we're still not really competitive with the machines, especially if the machines are uh, faster and cheaper than you know humans, and they're certainly going to be uh, more reproducible. So the long story short is that we should expect if this trend continues, if the frontier of automation continues to advance the way that it has been, then we will expect machines. And when I say machines, I mean AGI, AI, robots, automation. That's kind of collectively anything that is an electromechanical device will eventually subsume all human capacities. And this is something that I've been talking about for a long time when I talk about post-labor uh, economics. And so I'm really excited that uh, Professor Kornack uh, wrote this blog post because that tells me um, that people in the highest halls of power are also paying attention and thinking about this. Now, one thing to keep in mind, though, is that it's entirely possible that we will find some limitations with the current trend of AI, that, that maybe there's going to be some algorithmic limitations, some mathematical limitations. Maybe they're always going to be more energetically expensive than humans. You know, the human brain is three pounds and runs on 20 watts of energy. So even if they can do things better than us, it might be that they're just too expensive. We shouldn't make that assumption. We need to wait and see. Um, but we can anticipate that, you know, maybe the frontier of automation stalls for a while. Maybe it keeps expanding. We're not really sure. So this is a trend to pay attention to, but I'm really glad to have that phrase, frontier of automation. So now he outlines three possible scenarios. The first scenario is business as usual. Basically, all the trends you know in the last couple decades continue, where uh, you know AI automation, wage growth, productivity output, all kind of continue um, growing more or less correlated. So as productivity goes up, wages go up. Although if you look at it from the perspective of neoliberalism and some of the criticisms of wage stagnation, you might argue that wages have not actually grown over the last two decades. So you could argue that this graph is actually potentially misleading or inaccurate. 
Um, but globally, wages have been growing, um, if not in nominal terms, or, or not in real terms, at least in nominal terms. Um, so, but I don't want to. I don't want to debate over that. The point is, is that output has continued increasing, um, and many people around the world have been have had their wages increase, namely in the developing nations, not as much in the developed world. Now, the second scenario that he outlines is a 20-year baseline. So this is what he calls a 20-year baseline, basically where the frontier of automation um, subsumes most or all uh, human task abilities uh, within 20 years. And this, he says, is the baseline. So this is uh, an allegedly like kind of conservative or kind of, I guess, what he's pro- proposing as his default view. And then he also, uh, the, in the third scenario, he outlines a five-year more aggressive timeline where the frontier of automation subsumes most or all human abilities within five years. Personally, I think that this is more likely. And I think that, um, at least in the lab, we will see that machines have subsumed most or all human capabilities by this time next year. Now, just because something can be done in the lab doesn't mean that it is ready for commercial deployment. It doesn't mean that it's ready for mass deployment, and it doesn't mean that it's ready to be approved or integrated. So this is a question that I get a lot, which is like, okay, well, Dave, if you're saying that we'll have AGI, like full AGI next year, then when are we going to feel all these effects? So I agree with this five-year timeline uh, a little bit more closely. And the reason is because, so here's an example, Uh, law and medicine. Right now, in order to practice law and medicine, you have to be a human who has you know, passed certain board certifications. You have to pass the bar exam. Um, you have to be board, a board-certified uh, physician in order to practice medicine. And then even if you want to replace doctors with a machine, it has to go through all kinds of tests and trials. And um, what several physicians have explained to me is that human performance is the gold standard. So if you have a machine that comes in and practices medicine differently and you can't directly compare it to human performance, it's not going to be approved, at least not by the FDA, Um, which is a really kind of, it's a frustrating thing. And some of the physicians that I've talked to that are tinkering with AI, they're also frustrated by it because the assumption is that that human physicians are the best. And therefore, if a machine comes in and does things differently or follows a different procedure, even if it gets better outcomes, it's not going to be approved. And honestly, like, here's a personal story. I went to the doctor recently because I was having stomach pains and the doctor said, don't go to a dietitian, just take more omeprazole. Um, and then I was like, like, I literally had a physician tell me, do not go to a dietitian. They won't be able to help you. And so then what I did was I cut out wheat from my diet and my stomach pain went away. So it's like, well, that was like, I'm not going to say it's medical malpractice, but like that was patently, like objectively incorrect, bad advice. (laughs) Whereas um, I was able to figure that out with the help of chat GPT. I came up with a bunch of uh, dietary tests and experiments and unpacked the results from my, my food diary with chat GPT. And so, but that was a different methodology. And so therefore it wouldn't be approved as a medical device. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the point is like when a machine can do something similar, but better, but through a different methodology, it's going to be harder to get approved. So anyways, that was another rabbit hole, but I wanted to share that example because it really kind of, to me, drove home the point that humans are incredibly fallible and who knows, maybe that physician had something, had a personal beef with dietitians. I don't know, but it was, it was objectively bad advice. So getting back to the topic at hand, if we uh, follow this five-year aggressive 
timeline, then what we should expect is that it will take a little bit of time to get all of these new AI use cases approved and validated and to be safe. Now, again, we're making several assumptions here. We're assuming that the frontier of automation is going to continue apace, or it might even accelerate. And I'm personally in the, it's probably going to accelerate camp because um, as I've talked about before, what I kind of call the, uh, with what I call the automation paradox. And so the automation paradox is, uh, and other people have characterized it differently. So I'll give you both definitions. For me, the automation paradox is that basically nothing happens until the automation engine is done and then everything happens all at once. And then um, a, a definition that I've seen more people use out in the wild is that human productivity continues to increase until the frontier of automation surpasses humans and then human productivity drops to zero where total productivity continues to increase. So basically like as you're using AI tools, you, you continue to you know, increase your productivity up until the very last moment where the AI fully takes your job and you are no longer necessary. And so you become increasingly more productive until you're no longer needed and then your productivity drops to zero. So those are both kind of things that we're looking at. And what he outlines with these, with these, with these graphs is what that looks like. So as the frontier of automation expands, you will need fewer and fewer humans. And so one of the things that I've talked about when I'm, when I'm asked this question is, you know, what's it going to affect in what order? And so we're, it's not going to be all at once. It's not going to be like every single job is destroyed all at once. There are different sectors and industries that are more vulnerable to being automated. Um, as we've seen already, anything dealing with uh, writing or image generation, those are far more vulnerable because they're not regulated and because they are um, what's called forgivable. Meaning if, if, a, if an AI generates bad text, you can clean it up. If it generates a bad image, you can clean it up. Um, law and medicine are not forgivable. You have to do it right the first time. Construction is also not forgivable. You have to do it right the first time or buildings collapse and people die. And so uh, forgivability is, or tolerance is another way of, of thinking about it. So industries that are not regulated and highly forgivable or highly tolerant are going to be automated away first. Those with lots of regulations and those that are less tolerant or less forgivable will be automated last. But in the meantime, lots of people are going to lose their jobs. And so the, the final bit of this, uh, this blog post is wages versus output. And so if, if we continue with business as usual, then wages and output continue to grow more or less correlated for the foreseeable future. This is not an assumption we should make. Uh, again, the frontier of automation might stall, it might slow down, it might accelerate. We don't really know right now. Um, but there's not really any reason to see that it is slowing down. I know that Bill Gates has said repeatedly that GPT-5 is going to be disappointing because it's going to um, not going to have that many mechanistic differences. But we are also just starting to touch on multimodality. And one thing that I have seen um, since I've been in it since GPT-2, GPT-3, GPT-4, those incremental improvements um, have disproportionate impacts on the frontier of automation. And so what I mean by that is GPT-2, you could fine tune it to like fix punctuation. And that's about the most useful thing that it could do. I know that uh, OpenAI just released their paper where they had GPT-2 supervising GPT-4. And that made it, that made GPT-4 as dumb as GPT-3 or 3.5. Um, but so they've, they've been able to get a little bit more performance out of uh, GPT-2 than I did. Granted, that was four years ago. Um, but the point being 
is that um, is that the, the 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 frontier of automation goes up. It's almost like if you're calculating the volume of a sphere, because if you double the radius of the of a sphere, um, the the volume more than doubles, right? It goes up. Uh, what's the formula? It's uh, what is it? Uh, pi r cubed or something like that. Um, so it goes up. I think in in a cubic format. So you double the radius and the volume goes up by a factor of eight. You triple the radius and it goes up by a factor of like 30. And I, <laughs> I'm probably wrong, but, but the point is, is that the, if the frontier of automation continues going up, even incrementally, the, the, in, in terms of like, you know, mechan or, uh, uh, what I mean is, um, oh, what's the word incremental, um, if the frontier of automation keeps going up incrementally, the sphere of what can be automated, the total task complexity goes up faster than that. And that has been my observation with GPT-2 to GPT-3 and GPT-3 to GPT-4. And I think many of you will, um, will agree is that the leap from GPT-3 to GPT-4, even though it was just incremental improvements in terms of uh, token count and task complexity, uh, it was a quantum leap forward in terms of what, what was then feasible to automate. And so when you look at the 20-year baseline and the five-year aggressive curves, productivity skyrockets. It goes hyperbolic. It almost goes vertical eventually. Um, however, um, human wages, uh, that is you know, what, what humans are paid for, um, goes parabolic, meaning it takes a, a ballistic trajectory where it peaks and then goes back down to zero. Um, or below current terms, uh, current current rates. This is kind of what I expect is going to happen. And so uh, he doesn't make any policy recommendations. I have a few videos that I'm working on about policy recommendations, but I wanted to make my videos a little bit smaller and shorter. So I'll close out this one with um, kind of three categories of persistent jobs. Now, Anton, in his blog post, he basically says nostalgic jobs are the only ones that are going to stay. And, and a, a nostalgic job is like you want to keep a mayor, a human mayor of the town because then you have a you know, nice friendly face or a president um, or religious positions like, um, like clergy or the pope or whatever. Uh, I, don't, I, I disagree with that. I think that there are, there are quite a few categories of jobs that are going to stick around forever. So uh, another category is experience jobs. So like tour guides, sex workers, and performing artists are going to stick around forever, I think. And then finally, I also think that care jobs such as childcare, uh, early education, massage therapy, and nurses are also going to stick around forever, even if some of them will be done by robots. Um, I think that there will be a strong enough preference to for human hands um, in many care professions that that's going to stick around forever. Now, that will still be like less than one percent of total economic productivity, which means that like okay, not everyone's gonna not everyone's gonna be in a nostalgic job, an experienced job, or a care job. There are probably a few other categories of jobs that I've missed, but those are the three primary categories of persistent jobs that I think are going to stick around uh, pretty much as long as there are humans. So anyways, thanks for listening. I hope you liked this video. Let me know what you thought. Um, yeah, take care. Cheers.